Hey everyone, welcome to the Pig and Flow podcast. My name is Dave Nixon and today I would like to talk about something that is kind of seen as a bit of a fad at the moment, Um, but it's not, but it is, but it's not. Uh, And that is cold exposure, ice therapy, ice baths. Um, What I refer to as deliberate cold exposure. Now, there's a couple of really important points of why I choose to call this deliberate cold exposure as opposed to cold therapy, um, which I'm going to talk through a little bit today. I'm also going to talk about, yes, of course, the objective benefits of cold exposure, but also the subjective components, not just benefits, components of cold exposure as well. So the the first thing, I first, first cab off the rank, I guess, the interesting thing is that right now it is relatively in fashion, cold exposure. If you jump on Instagram, social media, um, there is plenty of ice baths, portable ice baths, um, plenty of freezers turned upside down, <laughs> silicon and filled with ice. And then also on top of that, there's a lot more uh, products on the market for commercial um, commercial ice baths. We have one here um, at Funk. Um, it's a fantastic unit, uh, and I spent a fair bit of coin on it to make sure it was a quality commercial unit, and it gets used every other day. The way it gets used is really interesting, and I want to offer you today in this podcast a couple of different approaches on how you could potentially be using the cold. So, why do I call it deliberate cold exposure? Well, it's very different to calling it something like, of course, cold therapy, ice therapy. The reason why I do not call it cold therapy is that that kind of presupposes, it will presuppose that there's a therapeutic experience for each person that does cold therapy. I will not put that onto people. I do not know if they will have a therapeutic experience or not. Similar to the way that somebody might say going for a walk in nature is a meditation. That's not meditation. It is meditative and the person might have a meditative experience, but at the same time, it's not meditation. Even though there's multiple forms and it may be a form of it, it is not it. That doesn't mean it's not beneficial and people don't have a meditative experience. And it's not like people may not have a therapeutic experience in the cold. It's more so going, this is deliberate cold exposure. We are exposing ourselves to the cold, to the element, and we're choosing to do that deliberately. More on the choosing part soon. So what are some of the objective benefits from um, deliberate cold exposure? Well, there's the brown fat buildup and the increase in body heat, which um, increases thermogenesis, which increases calorie burn. There's that component of it, which is great. Um, there's also the stimulation of the vagus nerve to some degree. There's a, there's a really important point, a little asterisk on the stimulation of the vagus nerve. And what that can do if it's done well is actually allow us to down, what we call downregulate and be more in a parasympathetic state. But this is the interesting part. What is the ideal length um, of cold exposure. Now, Huberman, I think, has been pushed into this corner multiple times, and I know he said a few times, 11 minutes over the space of the week. 11 minutes of cold exposure is what the data says. Now, the question is, what type of cold exposure? The question is, for who? The question is, what temperature? The question is, what else has that person got going on in their life? And so, we want to be able to integrate the data, but we also want to be able to meet the person as well. We need to be able to go, there's external data and there's internal data. 
there's somewhat objective data and biological data, and then there's also subjective data. And that's one of the key things that I want to highlight today as we go through this, because 11 minutes over the space of a week, let's just say one, one example of cold exposure, three minutes. Three minutes of cold exposure for two different people. One person gets in there and they're, they're in there and they're fighting for three minutes that somewhat hating it but they're in there and they're fighting and they're like hating it they're getting through it and they're going okay just and everyone's counting down 10 seconds five seconds two one yay get out that person got in there and just battled through three minutes of cold exposure now let's say somebody gets in there uh the other person and their focus is to down regulate their nervous system and the reason why is because and this is the deliberate part as well is that we're 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 consciously choosing to expose ourselves to a cold, uncomfortable temperature, to immerse ourselves. Now, what's really important with that and what's really important for facilitating that is we want to be able to um, facilitate a stimulus for the person going into the cold that is going to stretch them but not break them. And each person is going to have different variations of this, but it's not too dissimilar to weights in training where we want to make sure that we're offering them a weight that's going to challenge them but not break them. We don't do everyone else's weights. We need to do our weight and we need to be able to go into this type of exposure with a clear intent on what it is that I want to get out of today's cold exposure. So this person gets in the ice bath and their goal is to downregulate their nervous system as fast as they can. And so when we get into the cold, <laughs> it's within our biology, and it's not a bad idea. It's to get the fuck out of the cold. Like if we fell into a lake, fair enough. How do I get out of this lake? This is probably not a good thing. The deliberate part of it, though, and exposing our nervous system and our immune system to different stimuluses, which is exceptionally important because like weight training, when they are up against a slight stress, slight stress and then they have a chance to recover, then they will adapt, get stronger, so to speak, get more resilient, funnily enough. And so there is a really important point that when we do allow ourselves to have an adequate stimulus that stretches us, our immune system, which has developed over a millennia as a mammal, is used, it's only more recent years, it's used to actually dealing with different temperatures and having to adapt and change and evolve. Whereas in the last, you know, really 50 years, 60 years, but 100 is when we've been really able to control the temperature. We've been able to control the temperature um, all year round with air conditioning, air conditioning our cars, air conditioning our offices, air conditioning our homes, um, way, way more clothing and jumpers and all that sort of stuff. And in doing so, we've allowed our um, immune system and allowed our nervous system to have to just adapt to like one temperature or a very, very small variation. And so really it never has to adapt to different changes in stimulus and so going into the cold is going to encourage that so this person gets in the bath i'm back here again and they down regulate this nervous system from a fight or flight space which is normal a normal functioning part using the breath and their intention in mind they're able to down regulate in 30 seconds and stay in that space now, we do this at the retreat, and where we are in Kangaroo Valley is absolutely stunning. It's on 600 acres. And in this ice bath, it's like if you're able to downregulate and open your eyes, you'll start to see the beauty of the nature around you. But if you're in there fighting it, all you can do is attempt to survive. So someone in there for three minutes downregulate and calms and breathes. 
for three minutes compared to someone that's in there for fighting for three minutes, that's not the same three minutes. The person's not getting the same physiological and psychological response. Now, what's also really interesting with this is that just like a barbell, the cold is not the same every single time. The cold is like a mirror. It's mirroring back to you what's going on for you and where you're at. Now, when it comes to breath work, and I think people do the same thing with a lot of cold exposure, they one of the common mistakes people make with breath work is they use it to change their state. Breath work should be used to understand your state, not to change it. We don't want to just fix the symptom or get a, you know get away from the symptom. We want to be able to understand what's the problem behind the problem. Now, when we've got a fair bit going on physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, at work or whatever, we might find it actually harder to get into the cold. We might have less resilience within our whole physiology and it shows up in the cold. And that's okay. There's been days, I'm sure, whether it's 60 or 100 kilograms, if you've ever trained before, maybe it's not training, maybe it's something else. But if you have ever trained before and you go to a barbell and it's a weight you've done before and on that day you pick it up and you're like, oh, that was really easy. And you step back and look at it and you go, yeah, that's that's a 60 kilograms or 100 kilograms. Hmm, that's really easy today. And then the very next week or the week after you rock up and it's the same weight and it feels heavy. The weight hasn't changed. The bath is still six degrees. You've changed. You've brought you to that session. And that's okay. We need to also take this into account. And so when we look at cold exposure, it's what is it that I want to get out of this today? What do I want to focus on? And when we come into something like that with an intent, intention, we're able to get so much more out of it, especially long term. It's a practice. It's not a hack. Cold exposure is a practice. It is not a hack. So important to really understand that. In order, in order to understand that, we have to actually do it. And so we can keep cowboying this and just running these sessions where people jump in and Yahoo and all that sort of stuff. Or we can start being more intentional about how we choose to use the cold. There's a beautiful story. There's a beautiful story from our first retreat and... Um, my one of my team members, Jamie, who's done exceptional training with breath work and cold exposure and, and many other facets of the fitness industry. And he was really facilitating the breath work on our, he's he's the main facilitator of the breath work on our retreats. And one of the ladies on the first day was like Give me five reasons why I should get in the ice bath. And he's like, Well, you know, there's you know, improvement in dopamine and there's brown fat tissue and that helps with, you know, weight loss over time. And then there's, you know, all these other benefits. I can't recall all of them, but he named five. And then she goes, what's five more? And his brain short circuited. <laughs> it's short circuited. He's like, uh, like, um, you still have to get in. And he wasn't saying, no, I'm going to make you get in. He's like, it doesn't matter what I say if you are going to get those benefits, you actually have to get in to get those benefits. Like it's it's kind of irrelevant for me to keep going because you would still have to actually do it to get the benefits. We've got a, we've got a rule, um, a principle with our retreats and, and teaching and it's called look, play, learn. We teach people about their nervous system, about their parasympathetic, their sympathetic, their approaching, their avoiding, their movement, their stillness. And there's no bad parts. We teach them about that. We teach them how breath work correlates with that and how we can use a breath 
in be able to actually understand our nervous system and to, to influence it. And then we also teach people how they make meaning. Now we've got this, this package of going, this is the meaning I'm making, this is how I'm physically showing up, and this is how I can actually start to choose to show up in these environments. And so in doing that, we give people a framework for them to be able to actually come into this cold exposure and have an influence over their actual physiology and, and, and psychology, really. And so from there, the, the beauty about all this is that exposure training, whether it's weight training, conversations, cold exposure, sauna, doesn't matter, there needs to be, how does this correlate to the rest of my life? And when we can approach training like this, we start to realize that training is not separate to our life and it's not just about mental health, right? Because mental health is actually about understanding the, your, your, your mental structures. It's not about um, fatiguing yourself so much that you avoid them. That's a really important point. And so when we can understand all of it, not mind over matter, it's mind and matter, we start to see how much more training can influence the rest of our life. And so cold exposure is not a fad. Cold exposure has been around for millennia. The thing is, is that how we use it is just so important. If you want to find out more about it, then you're more than welcome to reach out. I'm happy to point you in whatever direction I can. Uh, we teach this sort of stuff at our retreats. We teach it here at our gym as well. Um, if you want some questions, just reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to answer them as best I can or come along to one of the retreats. I know that um, Breathless runs some great events. We also run some events called um, ICE, funny enough, which is Introduction to Cold Exposure. Um, if you're interested, reach out. More than happy to let you know how to, to find them or you can find them really at peakandflow.com.au. But this isn't about us just promoting our events or anything at all. This is about getting intentional about your own training and seeing that training is not separate to who you are and what you do outside of training. It's using training to, to enhance the rest of your life. I'll finish on this. There's a quote in the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, which is behind me somewhere. And I may have mentioned this before, but it's always continually worth mentioning. And in that book, um, the author Tim Galloway says, um, you don't use focus and he's using the word focus it might have been flow or something like that but focus flow or the zone you don't use that to improve your tennis use tennis to improve your focus right so you don't use cold exposure to um or or, or should i say you don't use focus to improve your cold exposure you use cold exposure to improve access to that focus it's a really different way to look at it but really important on that note, thank you very much, team. I'm done. Uh, if you found this podcast beneficial, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with someone else um, or share it on social. Be sure to tag either myself, Dave Nixon Flow, or Peak and Training Flow. Um, Peak and Training Flow, or even Peak and Flow Training. <laughs> um, if you'd like to find out more about our events and our retreats, then that's on the website or in the show notes as well. Um, otherwise, that's kind of me done. I'm out. Until next time, peace and pizza. I'll see you soon. <laughs>